What's up, everybody? I am Ryan McNichols, host of Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Rich Hauk, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything Dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. What's up, everybody? It is Ryan McNichols here, host of Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Rich Hauk. What's up, everybody? And I'm pulling double duty as producer today. No Mike Coyle due to some scheduling conflicts. It is Wednesday, November 16th as we record this, so bear that in mind as we go forward with any of the information we have. Obviously, when you listen to this, you know, Thursday or Friday, whenever it comes out, things might have changed, but uh, we're going to basically today be looking at, you know, obviously we always go through the latest injury news and things like that that have happened in the NFL, and then we're going to look at some strategies for the fantasy playoffs that are coming in about four weeks for most leagues out there. Um, But before that, Rich, something that I want to discuss, you know, driving through neighborhood on my way here today and uh, saw something that I thought maybe, you know, we could have a little conversation about. I saw... What did you see? Christmas lights. And decorations, not just lights, but like actual decorations now out on the lawn, covering, like this person went all out and like covered their entire little like lawn area that was available in this neighborhood here. Um, So as I said at the start of the show, it's November 16th. We've got about a week until Thanksgiving. Yeah, a week. uh, Yeah, a week from tomorrow. A week from tomorrow until Thanksgiving. I, I don't know how... I, I'm under the I'm under the belief that I give each holiday essentially the month that it's in. So I give, you know, Halloween all of October. I give, you know, Thanksgiving all of November. And so I'm not really okay with the Christmas lights, music, shows, movies on TV until probably after Thanksgiving. That's That's how I feel about it. That's a hard disagree for me. Yeah, I knew it was going to be. I'm a big fan of the Christmas music, big fan of the Christmas lights. Um, to be Thanksgiving's cool and all, but like right after Halloween, it's Christmas season. Nah, November that's 1st. way too early. For me, November that's 1st. way, way like Thanksgiving's too a bit overrated, early. in my opinion. Nah, I love Thanksgiving. I get free, big meal, get to see my family, I get to watch football. So i got a big extended family, and I don't get to see a whole lot of them too often, so I get to see them. Get to have this awesome meal that I only have to contribute like one small thing to, and uh, yeah, it was even more fun when I was a little younger because we had uh, we would essentially have two Thanksgiving dinners because one side of my family did theirs a little earlier and the other one did a little later. So we did an early one at one place, and then you know uh, after that drove off over to the second one. So I would get two Thanksgiving dinners, and uh, I don't know, man. I'm just uh, I'm just about it. Like the, uh, I don't know. I just feel like it's not uh, it's not winter yet. I can't get into all of it. We don't have uh, enough consistent snow where we're at. We might get hit with a, some snow here and there, but I don't know. It doesn't, you know, the rest of no, you know, November's November in Pennsylvania is you know going through all four seasons essentially. Yeah, it's so yeah. it's it doesn't quite feel like the holiday season. I'll celebrate Christmas all through December and then pass that into, you know, part of January. I'll still have the holidays, you know, fest I'm still okay with the lights and all staying up for a week or two after, you know, Christmas is over, still enjoy the lights and all that, but uh 
No, I think you shift from the purple and orange of Halloween to, you know, the red and orange and brown of Thanksgiving and autumn and all that, and then you transition to the red and green of Christmas. I don't... Nah, straight from Halloween to Christmas. I've been listening to Christmas music in the car already. Found a station out in Delaware, 99.5, that's already playing Christmas music. I'm able to get it up here in Philly. I've been listening to it. It's awesome. That's too soon, man. Nah. It's way too soon. It's not. It's, it the, it's the perfect time. It's not. It's really not. So yeah, that's that's why I wanted to discuss it because I know there's there's two different stratospheres as far as that come, and there are other people that want to wait until December actually starts for the Christmas stuff and all yeah, that. I'm sure, I'm in the minority a later, here. but uh, I'm I, I'd like to wait until after Thanksgiving for all of that to happen, and the first November is definitely way too early for me. So yeah, all right, well. That's something we won't <laughs> agree on. Maybe we'll find something in here fantasy-wise that we can agree on. Yeah, well, I think the problem for me is you probably don't like most of the food at Thanksgiving if I were to go through and listen to No, 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 I like the food. I eat the food. It ain't like that. It's just, you know, Christmas is just a better holiday. And let's celebrate that more than Thanksgiving. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't need two months. It does. No. It needs its due. I give it its time. I, like I said, I'll give it a week or two after it's over already, See, so I'm not giving it an extended to give it a week or two after... If you gave it the proper respect in the beginning. No, I've got, I don't, I am giving it proper respect. It gets celebrated from December 1st to like January, you know, 15th. Gets a full six weeks of celebration. It's it's November 1st to um, February, the end of February. Yeah, see, that's, 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 that's the holiday season. Way too long, you know. Hey, if you're going to give me a Chris, if you're going to give me gifts in November and January and February, then you can celebrate Christmas for all those months, but... I'm not celebrating Christmas, but the holiday spirit... Oh, because see, see... The no, holiday spirit no. lingers yeah, that long. That's here. what I'm saying. You pick see, it up in, early, in November, no, you, if, if, and then no, you let it go again at the If you want to start celebrating November, I expect to get a gift in November and then a gift again in, in Christmas in December. Nah, it's just being greedy. No, see, you you want to celebrate, you know, you you want to play the music and all that the, and, yeah, and do get this in the thing, mood, the holiday the spirit. You no, know, the the spirit of giving. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. See, that's the thing. That's why you have the Thanksgiving. You all get together and you have this big holiday feast that you know somebody hosts. That's usually not going to be you or me. We're not going to be the patriarchs of the family typically. So we get to go to this big meal that we don't have to contribute much to, or we contribute, you know, just like one small piece of it to, and everybody, you know, shares this big feast. And then, uh, then you move on to Christmas, where it's uh, not about sharing a big feast; it's about giving people gifts. <laughs> it's not about the gifts. Yeah, but everything you you're gonna, gonna try to say about Christmas is also kind of the spirit of behind what people do at Thanksgiving dinner, the family being together. You know, that's that's that happens at Thanksgiving too, and you're just skipping that and, and going to Christmas. So like, I, I I don't you know, Thanksgiving is what ramps you up towards that. You get your family together, you have a nice big meal, you watch some football, you enjoy each other for a, just a little bit, just enough because it's Thanksgiving. So it's not like people have off for an extended period of time, so you don't get sick of them yet. So that's when you know, it's just like, oh, it was nice to see everybody, and we caught up, and oh, I can't wait to see them all again at, at you know the holiday. And sometimes the holidays, you know, people have a little bit longer extended stays, and uh, that's why, you know, things get worn out a little bit after the holidays. You know, if you got somebody staying in your house the week after Christmas, you know, you, that that's Christmas spirit might have rubbed off by then, so. I don't know. We, we can end the conversation on this. Like, 
what, what type of like Thanksgiving music is there? Now, Christmas is a way better holiday. This is a Christmas music. Christmas music puts it above and beyond, makes it takes it to the next level. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there are Thanksgiving songs, but they're usually going to have to do, you know, I haven't sang any of them since I was in elementary school, and we had to do plays about pilgrims and Native Americans and things like that, so... Um, right, we're going to get into that. again, it's not supposed to be about the... So now it's about singing songs. Now it's about because no, they have just music. The, the whole holiday cheer, the holiday spirit, it's just, it's way better than anything Thanksgiving can do. I don't know. Do you not feel the different vibes during the holiday season? Like, people feel more cheerful? Like, I don't know. It just seems that way. Not in November, no. I don't feel it in November. It's, start, it's starting to ramp up. It's starting to ramp up in November. I, there's a few of us out there. There's a few there's of us out there. I don't know if out there. Rich. There's That's a few of us, man. I know I can't if, be the only you know, one. If, I can't be the only one. The guy I've, decorated uh, his entire uh, front lawn already. Okay. But, uh, I'm good. Well, oh, okay, yeah, but that was, one, again, I drove through this entire neighborhood and I saw the one guy with it like that. And so then we're starting to I saw one person who still had their, you know, Halloween lights out and then some other people who were trying to transition See, like, to some even more then, you wanted, like, type I, colors. I, I'm cool with that. If you want to celebrate Halloween longer... And You've then transition your right in, like at this time, like mid-November, transition to Christmas, and like the first two weeks in November, you're still in Halloween. Like I'm cool with that. No. I'm just not a big fan of Thanksgiving. If you can, I, I, I got it. I just you know again, I just, I think you don't like your family or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that either. <laughs> like I just I, I don't understand. Like if it's really just the music, I I, I don't get it. Skipping the again the essence of what Christmas is and being together I, with family is exactly what I would Thanksgiving put, put it down dinner to this. is. Like Thanksgiving doesn't put off like any really type of like palpable vibes to me but christmas does and i like i appreciate that so i'd rather celebrate christmas longer than celebrate thanksgiving it doesn't give me the same feeling and effect okay uh i guess the problem is that if there's people out there like you that are feeling that effect in november and all that uh if you're feeling it there's not a christmas music okay. you can feel it too i no, i don't i shouldn't need christmas music to feel it i shouldn't have to play the christmas music you're saying if everybody feels it, it's a feeling then i should be feeling it from people and i go out all the time in public and i am sure not feeling holiday cheer from a lot of people out there in public right now so uh yeah i'm i i just you know if you guys if everybody out there that is like you that wants to celebrate christmas at the beginning of november maybe you should start acting like you know it's the, around the holidays in the beginning of November and spread that cheer to people because you you sure aren't doing it enough of it right now. That's all I can say. Oh, man. All right, let's talk about fantasy football. We just spent 10 minutes talking about Christmas in November. Which is what you want. Yeah, dang. Uh, so people right, come so here to listen to talking about us, listen to talk, us talk about Christmas. They want to hear us talk about fantasy football. I don't know. I think people might feel very strongly one way or the other about this Christmas music lights in early November sort of thing. You think I riled some people up? I think both of us probably riled some people up because I feel like the people like you feel very strongly about it. And then I feel like, again, some people, like, I, I, I don't, like, take it. Like, I'm not going to look at my neighbor with the lights out and be like, like, what are you doing? Or, like, you know, yell at somebody to turn Christmas music off or something like that. Like, I'm not hating on i i just don't do it i'm not personally into it doing it in november but there is that small group of people out there too that are very adamant about like no it's not until you should give it a try uh no that's all right again if you guys who who feel that way want to start acting more holiday cheering in the beginning of november and and spread it to other people you can get something going there but you guys keep talking about a feeling that other people aren't feeling and you're not spreading so 
anyway, injuries in the NFL this past week. It is week 10, so we are heading into week 11 this upcoming week. Biggest injury coming out of week 10, Cooper Cup. Ouch. Yeah. Um, That's a big one, man. That hurts. That's a killer to a ton of fantasy teams. Yeah, and this is, it's bad because it's like, it's a similar, it, it, like the way he got injured was very similar to that injury that happened a week or two ago against the, I believe it was the 49ers where it happened, or no, they just played the 49ers. So a week or two ago, he had the same sort of thing happen where they were losing. Getting, he was in the game too long. They were, Yeah, they were getting blown out and it was the end of the game and he shouldn't have even been out there still at that point. And somebody basically rolled up onto his leg and luckily he was okay and was able to play. Well, this time he was not. So he is lucky in that the injury is not season-ending in that it is not an injury that is going to medically keep him out for the rest of the season. The problem is the injury is a high. It appears to have been a high ankle sprain. He is going to miss at least four weeks. He's already been placed on IR. High ankle sprains are usually six to eight weeks. He's got surgery. Huh? He's gotten surgery. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Usually it's still a four. It's it, He's on at least four weeks because of the IR rules. High ankle sprain is typically six to eight weeks usually or somewhere around there. And the problem is with the time frame, even if it's only like four weeks, with the way the Rams are playing in four weeks from now, what are they really going to have to play for? And is it worth bringing Cooper Cup back and potentially risking an injury to him if you're going to be out of playoff contention. So I think he's done for the season. Right. So that's why I said medically it's not season-ending. He possibly could play football again this season if he had to. Realistically, he's probably, he's probably not. Yeah. So let's talk about that first from kind of a dynasty standpoint because Cooper Cup's the leading wide receiver on the Rams at the moment. You've got Allen Robinson, who is going to be 30 years old, and I know they signed him. I think it was a two- or three-year deal that he was on with them there. Uh, but he's 30 years old. You've got Van Jefferson, who's 27 or 28. And he's coming off an injury of his own. And then we've got Ben Skoranek, who I think was an undrafted rookie last year ben. or something like that. What is... I mean, as far as Dynasty goes, what does this do as far as Cooper Cup's value on the Rams... And then what does it do as far as, like, what the Rams' plan might be at wide receiver? Or, like, how much do you think it will affect the Rams' long-term plan at wide receiver? Or I mean, what, what can they really do to address the wide receiver? They don't have a ton of picks, the Rams. So, I mean, Cup, you're hoping he comes back next year fired up and ready to go. I mean, I think as a, if you're a contender who's desperately trying to make a push – I think you might be able to sell that to a rebuilder who's hoping to compete next season. I mean, maybe you could get some uh, a piece now for Cup. You know, a solid move is going to help the, the, that guy next year. You're going to get help this year. Can make a move. At. As far as which one of those guys are going to step up, eh, I don't know, man. I'm pretty clear about how I felt about Alan Robinson on the last podcast. And then now this happens. Uh, give me Ben Skoranek. <laughs> Realistically? I mean, it just feels that way, doesn't it, the way the Rams season's going? Who else yeah. would it be at this point? Higby? Uh, he's hurt himself, isn't he? Um, if he I'm not be. mistaken, I believe Tyler Higby is also he very well may be. injured. So, 
You starting Allen Robinson this week? You, I think you have to, right? Uh, are you asking like me personally in our dynasty league, Just or like in, would in I general, in general? Like in general, I feel like he's this, this he, week. He's he probably a flex play. If he doesn't do it now, then it's it, he's done, right? I guess is it. Right, but I'd probably rank him more as a flex play because I can't be certain about what will happen. So first off, we don't know if Matthew Stafford's going to play this week. He missed last week he's with the concussion. Back practice. Okay, so there's a chance Matthew Stafford plays. I don't know if that's good or bad for him, honestly, because it feels like Matthew Stafford just doesn't want to use Allen Robinson, but... The bottom line is Cooper Cup was getting 10-plus targets a game. They Like, he's gone. Those targets have to go somewhere. Like, unless we believe that this offense is all of a sudden just going to fall apart and they're going to be a three-and-out offense all the time. Does Stafford have eyes for anyone other than Cup? Like, so that's, so that's kind of where it's like, so... Maybe Are they going to? Offense. Is it going to be that somebody fills in where Cooper Cup is? In which case, isn't Van Jefferson the slot guy next now, he's or is it Ben Skoranek? He's been more of the field stretcher, uh, Van Jefferson. So is Ben Skoranek going to be playing the slot in place of Cooper Cup, or because be. that's the thing when you've looked at it before, it was a matter it, like it was Ben Skoranek that was playing, I believe, on the outside across from Allen Robinson and like Van Jefferson. Uh, saw his playing time increase only after Cooper Cup got injured and went out in this past game. So it's a matter, I guess, we know Allen Robinson's not playing a slot. So the question is, do you think the offense is going to be a thing where they're just going to keep their offense and decide we're going to keep focusing on, you know, using the plays that's focusing on our slot wide receiver and whoever that happens to be, whether it's Ben Skronik or Van Jefferson will be the guy? Or are they going to say, hey, we have to adjust our offense, and at this point, if I'm looking at the three wide receivers, I'm going to make Allen Robinson the number one as far as when I'm scheming up the plays in the playbook, and that's going to lead to him having to get those targets. Like you got to assume that they're going to change things up. I mean, they have to. It hasn't been working. they they got to go back to the drawing board, especially now that Cup's out. Even when he was there, it wasn't working. It's going to say. It's terrible. It's going to say. It's going to be hard to play the game. Of, like, well, let's keep feeding our slot wide receiver. It's one thing to do when it's Cooper Cup out there. But now it's going to be Ben Skoranek or Van Jefferson. Is that really going to be your game plan moving forward? So I think they might adjust the offense. And one of those things where just by default, Allen Robinson will probably get eight or nine targets a week and get them. So I'm just nervous the first week doing it. Because, again, this is a logical projection forward. But we've seen many a times in fantasy football and real football that the logical step forward or the logical thing to do is not what happens. <laughs> you know, it took the Bears half a season to realize, like, hey, we should probably design some runs for Justin Fields. And then look how they've been playing since then. And it's just like, you know. Like, duh. <laughs> yeah, like, er, Like, so sometimes just, you know, the thing that would make the most sense isn't always the thing that happens. Um, I'm concerned. I guess, yeah. I guess the cup injury doesn't really affect the Rams' long-term plans at wide receiver. I guess it was more of, like, a conversation of, like, what are the Rams going to do long-term at wide receiver? Because Cooper Cup himself is about to be 30. Allen Robinson is 30. And then Van Jefferson, like I said, is already 27, 28. 2-2 um, two, two Atwell? <laughs> okay. Yes, he's he's currently fifth on the depth chart behind Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson, who, has, who would, like everyone's been hating all year for not playing well. Van Jefferson, Ben Skoranek, and then you get to two two at well. I was really just kidding. Yeah, um, but yeah, they, they need to address the position. I don't know how they're going to do it. They don't yeah, have a ton of picks. Maybe maybe in the mid rounds they get a guy in the third or something. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Cup was a third round pick. Yeah. But, uh, again, so I think, like, Van Jefferson was probably a third or fourth round pick as well. If I'm remembering correctly, I might be misremembering that. It might have been later. But they've, you know, they've picked a couple of guys. And just, like, I don't – are they going to keep trading? You know, it's one of those things where they're going to trade another first or second round pick for another wide receiver. You know, is Brandon Cook going up back on the Rams now? He's just as old. But I guess I'm just more curious long term as to what's going to happen – with the Rams wide receivers. And like you said, I think, you know, being as that Cooper Cup's injury is likely one he could have returned for this season, I'm not really concerned about next season about him missing time or, like, being injured or anything like that. Like, you don't have – you'll probably you'll see him in the preseason and all in training camps. You'll have a good feel for it before the season starts. So, as far as, like, long-term dynasty goes, it's just, like you said, the best thing you do with Cooper Cup if you were competing is to, you know, sell him and gain some assets that will help you now and give them to somebody who's looking to rebuild and have them next year. So, all right, a couple other injuries to go through. The next big one we had was Khalil Herbert, hip injury. He's already been placed on IR. Haven't heard the extent of the damage or how serious it may or may not be. But the bottom line is, Khalil Herbert's going to be out for the next four games. What does this do for David Montgomery? You have to think it stocks up. I mean, my first thoughts, he's going to get more volume, you'd assume. Um, maybe he gets a little bit more pass-catching work, but I know Fields doesn't check it down to the running backs a ton. Um, but I think it's a benefit. He's going to be on the field more. Um, eventually, teams got to start game-planning to stop Fields running the balls, which should be... More open lanes for uh, Montgomery, for Monty. What do you think? So, my main concern is that I think what's really taken away from David Montgomery is more of Justin Fields rushing than it is Khalil Herbert's yeah. just presence. He's starting and to get up there with like a Lamar Jackson-sized chunk of the rushing offense. He's taking big pieces of it. Okay, so... My main concern is that, like, we say there's going to be more work and more volume for David Montgomery. So, this past week with Khalil Herbert getting hurt, David Montgomery played 68% of the snaps. The two weeks prior to that, it was 70% and 70%. So, he's already playing 70% of the snaps, typically, on average. So, like, how much more can his role increase you know what i mean is that go up to 80 percent is this going to be a 90 percent sort of thing what are we it'll get to 90 but i mean you think the bears are gonna be comfortable rolling tristan ebner out there for 30 percent of the snaps 35 percent of the snaps i I don't maybe 20 15 now maybe i'm underselling them a little bit but i I could could see montgomery out there for 80 percent 75 percent 80 okay so yeah so i guess that's just kind of the thing is like i don't know how much i think I think what it does for me is, like, again, with the way the running back position is, it goes from, like, David Montgomery being a low-end RB2 who could bottom out and, like, end up as RB30 or something like that to probably being a more steady RB2 where, like, the bottom isn't as low. But, like, I don't know that the ceiling has increased is is essentially what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if I should – I don't know that now all of a sudden I'm going to expect 16, 17 points out of him per week. But I think now I can be more confident that he's not going to put up eight points. Like, he's going to put up more than eight points a week, and I don't have to worry about those. Yeah, when I say stocks up, I don't mean he shoots to, like, an RB1 or anything like that. Like, he's just his value increase. Right. It's not a ton, but, you know. And it is an increase in value to go from being, you know – 
Somebody who... There's less risk there. Exactly. So that's kind of what it is. It's not an increase in the ceiling. It's an increase in the floor for David Montgomery. I think that's a good way to look at these things sometimes. All right. Moving along then, we'll head over to the Arizona Cardinals. Got a injury to tight end Zach Ertz. I believe... Same. Yeah, season-ending injury for Zach Ertz. Yeah. What was the injury again specifically, do you remember? A knee injury, I believe. Okay. Don't remember the specifics at the moment, but I do remember that it is season ending. So he will be out. Trey McBride, the first tight end taken in this year's draft, a rookie tight end, will be the starter moving forward at the tight end position. So I guess the main thing we're looking at this is the other pass catchers for the Arizona Cardinals. So a couple layers to that. We've got DeAndre Hopkins. You've got Rondell Moore, who should be rostered and probably started this week, unless Marquise Brown plays, which they're I'm told is a possibility. Yeah, they're saying he may play. Kingsbury said it's a possibility. So that's where the layers come in. There's Is Marquise Brown going to play? Is he going to be any sort of snap count? Is he going to be limited? And what then, how does that offense look? Because Marquise Brown... So was playing the slot role before he went out. Rondell Moore has been effective in the slot and not effective on the outside. So, do they put Marquise Brown in the slot and move Rondell Moore to the outside where they know he's not going to be effective? Or do they put Rondell Moore in the slot and let Marquise Brown be on the outside where I believe he's played when he was with the Ravens, if I'm not mistaken, is where he lined up a majority of the time. Because who else would have been in the slot there yeah, before tend, Rashad Bateman got I there. I tend to think that it would be a mix of both. You'll see both Rondell Moore in the slot and on the outside. Same with Marquise Brown. Okay. Which so, I don't know how what that does for either of them. That lowers the value for me for Rondell Moore. If Rondell Moore is sure. forced to play on the outside, then he goes from being like somebody that I can put in the flex and feel like, hey, this guy has wide receiver two outside, to like, oh, man. Depending on you know how many snaps he plays where and which plays he's out there on uh, in each position, you know, yeah. he could have 18 points this week or he could you know have six exactly. So and then Marquise Brown, you don't know what he's looked like. You don't get no snap count. Yeah, I mean, if more information comes out. If they say yeah. he's he's locked and loaded, he's not on a pitch count and he's ready to go, I'm gonna have a hard time not starting him. Yeah. I mean, he, so quick stat about Marquise Brown in full PPR leagues. He is still wide receiver 26 after missing the last four games. Yeah. So. He was on, I mean, no, granted, there was no Hopkins when he was playing earlier, and but he was on an unreal pace, and he was very productive. It's going to be hard to put that on your bench if he's healthy, ready to go. So what do we feel then? So I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous about Rondell Moore and Marquise Brown starting them both this week. Um, for anybody who was wondering... AJ Brown had AJ Green had overtaken Robbie Anderson and was going to be the third wide receiver if Marquise Brown was not available for them. So you know Robbie Anderson, bye bye. Feel free to drop him in any league where he might have been rostered. Uh, feel free to drop him in your dynasty league. He's not going to gain his value. He, he's done. Robbie Robbie Anderson is done. So you know I'd move on from him. And then what are we doing about DeAndre Hopkins then if Marquise Brown is coming back? I mean, there's targets available with Ertz going out. I think the th- I think the three of them, all three um, of their their wide receivers, will be viable options. Okay, so DeAndre Hopkins is still borderline. Is still going to be probably a borderline wide receiver one, and then the other two, I mean, I'm nervous about. 
because I don't know who's going to play what role, who's going to get those targets, and you know what I mean? This could be, we could be in a situation where it's flip-flopping from week to week, yeah, and I don't, like, I, at this point in the season with how many players I have that do things like, like, I'm done with that. Like, it could be, maybe they're both wide receiver twos and Rondell Moore's a flex. When you say they're both wide uh, receiver Brown twos. Brown and Hopkins, Brown and Hopkins. And Rondell Moore's Rondell a flex. Rondell Moore's a flex. Yeah, possibly. I, 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 I don't know. It's tough. Could be a changing of the guard, too. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, at this that's moment... That's guy, Marquise Brown. That's his boy. At this moment, I'm confident with DeAndre Hopkins moving forward. And the other guys, like I said, I'm just, I'm nervous about. And, like, if you have to start... Again, if Marquise Brown is playing and we don't hear anything about a cap on his volume, I, I'm very nervous about starting either of them, and I'd probably try to look elsewhere. So at least until I see what happens, I'm not dropping either of them. Oh, I no, want to see it, you're not dropping. Every, this is this is a matter. This is a matter of like, uh, so yeah. So that's the other hard part is because we've got four teams on a buy this week, and they've got so we've got Seattle on a buy. So you've got no DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. You've got the Bucks on a buy. So we've so, got no Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin. Let me. We've let, got who are the other two teams on a buy? Rich, help me out here. Uh, I'm gonna fail epically. I don't know. Okay. Uh, yeah, so let me, let me run you through my situation when I say I'd be hard-pressed not to start him. So Ju- I had Juju, who we'll get to, uh, still in, in concussion protocols. Probably, I don't know. I don't really think he's going to play this week. Um, Darius Slayton or Marquise Brown? Marquise Brown. That's, see, that's what I'm saying. Like it, It's tough. I, I don't know how I put him on the bench. Yeah, that's you know. I'm sorry, you you were hit with a lot of in, uh, problems with yeah, that. Uh, injuries. Those are the guys you're choosing yeah. between. Is that in our dynasty league or what? No, league? that is in our uh, redraft. redraft. Yes. Oh my, our redraft league or yeah. twelve man? It's yours. Yeah. Wow. Injuries and bye week, man, got me good this week. Oh yeah, right. Miami Dolphins with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So now we're at six wide receivers on a bye, and then Jacksonville Jaguars with Christian Kirk. So seven wide receivers on a bye. Jamar Chase out, yeah. and Cooper Cup now out with an injury as well. So we've got nine wide receivers that would typically be, you know, in the top 20, top 15 probably that are all out. So I understand the dilemma, but, yeah, so I don't know what to tell you. Uh, <laughs> I had Rondell Moore. I was hoping to be able to start him this week. I think I might have to... I gotta decide if I'm gonna pivot to Gabe Davis. Maybe we'll see. I'm getting real sick of playing guys like that, though. Boomer bust. Think DJ. Think DJ Moore could be an option, but I uh, don't know about that. Ooh. Plus, it's supposed to be a snowstorm there in Buffalo. So, like, if it's a snowstorm, am I really trust them to throw a deep ball to Gabe Davis for 60 yards? Like, yeah, all he needs is one. Yeah. Well, there's been games where it's not been a snowstorm and he hasn't gotten the one. Yeah, so we're worried about the wind and the snow, though, unless it's like knee-high snow. They said it's supposed to be a foot to two feet of snow. Yeah, so. uh, prior to the game, though, so I mean, they should have the field clear in decent conditions, is as far as decent they could be with a foot of snow around. All right, but so yeah, so as far as the Cardinals, though, to wrap it back or bring everything back, we are. I'm I'm confidently starting DeAndre Hopkins. I'm hoping I have a better option than Rondell Moore or Marquise Brown this week because uh, I'm not sure what Rondell Moore I think makes me more nervous than Marquise Brown if if you know they're both going to play and there's you know we hear there's no limits or anything to Marquise Brown. So that's it for that. But move on to another tight end injury. 
Dallas Goddard got injured in the Eagles game against the Washington Commanders. Uh, had his you know, face mask tugged and essentially brought down onto his shoulder. The injury got a little bit overlooked because he fumbled on that play as well. A couple of things going on. Also in that game, A.J. Brown on a play seemed to have uh, injured his Achilles, his ankle, hamstring. He says, he said it in his his post-game interview or the day after, he rolled his ankle. Okay, so he's claiming he rolled his ankle, so he should be good to go forward. He He played, he went back into the game, but he was very... He didn't look the same. Yes, exactly. It was very clear he was not 100%, but it was not something enough to keep him out of the game, so... Something he should, to monitor. Something to monitor. He should be back, and hopefully if it's just a rolled ankle, like, honestly, hopefully they rest him for a day or two and then, you know, let him get back out there. So He gets a tough matchup this week, too. Um, it looks like uh, they, the Eagles play the Colts, and it looks like he'll be uh, uh, covered by uh, Stephon, Stephon Gilmore. Gilmore. Yeah, okay. it should be a tough matchup. So then with Dallas Goddard out, what do we think the Eagles' offense does here? Does is the Eagles' offense going to adjust to involve a third wide receiver more often now, or are they still going to kind of roll their offense and just whoever happens to be the t- you know, so the tight ends now at this point are Jack Stoll and rookie Grant Calcaterra? I I don't know yet about this. Still gonna chew on this a little bit because losing Goddard hurts a lot in multiple facets. Like one, he was great in in after the catch. Letting them screen plays and uh, which was taking pressure off the pass rush. He was great as a run blocker. Like there was a lot of things um, that Dallas Goddard provided that are going to be lacking now, and I don't know how that might hurt the Eagles' offense. Um, yeah, it's tough. Um, it, it, a normal reaction is his targets get dispersed around. When you think more for AJ Brown, more for Devontae Smith. Maybe they involve Miles Sanders a little bit more in the screen game because they have to. Um, but I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't. Know, this might hurt the Eagles' offense a little bit. Yeah, and so I guess my big question is like, how do they adjust to this? Because you know, looking at Dallas Goddard, and Dallas Goddard is getting you know around six targets per game and playing close to ninety percent of the snaps, and just like. We've known, going back for a while now, the Eagles have heavily involved the tight end position. Now, with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith this year, the wide receiver's been a lot more involved than, you know, previously, but I still feel like Dallas Goddard was, like you said, like a very integral part of their scheme. and so Very efficient, too. He didn't need a ton of targets to be effective. Right. So now I'm just curious where, like, are they going to say, are, are they going to just... Are they going to go kind of with their same scheme and just kind of like, again, use whichever tight end is out there kind of in the same role and then end up not targeting the tight end as much because it's not Dallas Goddard's probably won't be as effective? Or do they rotate a little bit more to, like, you know, narrow the amount of plays where they're actively involving the tight end as the primary pass option? So we might see more Quez Watkins or Zach Pascal, I guess. Those are the two options to kind of go down. So... I wouldn't be surprised to see his target split up. Maybe an extra target for A.J. Brown, an extra target for Devontae Smith, and then the rest gets split up amongst Stoll and Calcaterra. So here's ultimately what I think it comes down to is 
There's no Eagles pass catcher that I was not previously starting that I am now going to move into flex starting, you know, flex or anything like that. Like, no, but like, no. I'm not replacing Goddard with Stoll or Calcaterra. I'm not going to consider flexing Quez Watkins or Zach Pascal. The only thing it might do for me is increase Devontae Smith's floor. So, yeah. like, how A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith have kind of been flip flopping back and forth. Every so often where it's like, hey, I'm the lead target for two weeks. Now you get a week to be the lead target. Now, oh, hey, it's my birthday, so I'll be the lead target this week. And I think it might be, we might be as a safer floor now for the two of them where, like, they'll both get seven, eight targets a game. And now one of them, you know, one of them will get 10 to 12 and the other one will still get seven to eight. Where before it was like, you know, one will get 10 and the other one end up getting six or so. I think now we're uh, just like, again, just a little bit of a safer floor for Devontae Smith. You were still starting A.J. Brown. He's still top wide receiver on the season. I think you just more confidently start Devontae Smith, especially in a week like this, like we said, with, you know, seven starting wide receivers on a bye. And moving along then with injuries, we are going to hop over. The Kansas City Chiefs are dealing with a very banged-up receiving core. We have Miko Hardman still not practicing after missing last week. And then Juju Smith-Schuster we saw take a devastating hit in this week's past game. Did the fencing response where his hands went up in front of his head. He's in the concussion protocol. (sighs) Based off what we've seen this year, it seems unlikely that Juju Smith-Schuster will play this upcoming week. So with Smith-Schuster out, Miko Hardman out, the Chiefs wide receiving core is down to Sky Moore, Justin Watson, and Kadarius Tony. Uh, yeah, and Valde- Valdez Scantling, MVS, and MVS and Kadarius Tony. Yes. So we forgot Tony earlier. Sky Moore is the one out then. It would be MVS, Kadarius Tony, and Justin Watson. Justin Watson are the first three with Sky Moore maybe getting a shot to work in somewhere. Yeah, we see a little more action for uh, backup tight end Noah Gray too. Are <laughs> we? <One> can hope. <laughs> So I probably know your answer to this question. Of the three players, MVS, uh, Kadarius Tony, and Justin Watson, which one of the three are you? Would you rank the highest? Would you be most confident in starting if you had to? It pains me to say it. I don't think you thought I was going this way, but I think it's Tony. Okay. I, they want to use him. You see, last week he had like thirty some rushing yards and like fifty receiving. Like they're gonna put the ball in his hand. And now there's no Juju. There's no Hardman, potentially. Um, I don't know. It feels like this could be a game where he has 100 receiving yards and a touchdown. Okay. And, yeah, they are playing the Los Angeles Chargers, so we will see. I guess, you know, part of this is going to depend on if the Chargers get their receivers back. Apparently there's a possibility that both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are available this week for the Chargers. I've seen a maybe, and I hope so. Um, Mike Williams was a maybe, and Keenan Allen was I hope so, when they asked them if they are playing this week. Okay, so they're not playing this week. <laughs> so this may not be necessarily the high-scoring affair we might have thought at the beginning of the season when we saw Chief Chargers. So that makes me a little bit nervous there. I thought you were going to go MVS. I guess Kadarius Tony would have the highest ceiling. MVS would just kind of be like the most likely to you know not put up a donut. Yeah, I could see that for Tony, too, getting you, like, a point or getting you 30. Yeah, and so I I guess I'm nervous. Again, this was if you had to start one, but realistically, are you starting one of these guys? Maybe you want to flex. 
I had to flex MVS last week. Had to. It was forced. I didn't have anybody or any other options. And I don't know if I'm going to do it again. I don't know if I'm going to roll the dice again. It's, it was his first touchdown of the week, or of the season last week. And is he getting two in a row? Right. Or is Kelsey going to catch three this week? Right. I was going to say, this could be a situation where they don't may, they may not need to throw bombs all over the place uh, in order to score on this. The Chargers have not been playing well at all this uh, season. They have been and, very good against the run either. And yeah. they just lost they lost Gerald Everett, if, if I'm not mistaken, as well. I think he might have been limited at practice this week. Okay. So I'll double-check on that real quick. But, I mean, with no... We're talking about no Keenan Allen and Mike Williams still, and then possibly no Gerald Everett if I limited practice. Yeah, so he did get hurt. Uh, he's limited in practice on Wednesday. Sounds like it wasn't too serious. Okay. So let's hope he's back because... Someone's got to catch some passes there. Yeah. And Josh Palmer is not the guy. So it's very disappointing. Yeah. DeAndre Carter is back limited today, too. <laughs> Did it, so yeah, this this could be two very depleted wide receiving cores going up against each other, and so we could see a lot of Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, and uh, Austin Eckler and Clyde Edwards. So here's what I'll say: Cly- so Clyde Edwards Alaire played four snaps last did, week. He got two targets on them. Did you see any? Did you see Andy Reid's comments? I did not. Are right, you finished? And then I'll, I'll tell you his comments. Okay. So here was all I was going to say is that I know everyone out there in the fantasy industry saying, like, just drop him. Just get him off your rod. It's like, I'm, you're definitely not starting. The only reason I'm saying don't drop him completely is I just want to see if this was a weird one-game anomaly where just for whatever they saw some sort of matchup or something that they wanted or if, like, it was some sort of disciplinary thing where they're teaching him a lot. I don't know. But, like, this... This could be something where this is just a one-game thing, and then all of a sudden he gets worked back into the rotation in the in the upcoming games. Which is kind of what Andy Reid said. When it could have, it seemed just be, could have been just coach coach speak. Okay, so like what did the Andy way he said? Like it just kind of paraphrasing was like it wasn't any strategic decision to not give the ball to Clyde Edwards-Helaire, have him on the field more. It was just something like through the flow of the game that they kind of just you know went with, and their plan is to still get Clyde Edwards-Helaire involved moving forward. Okay. So yeah, so that's so like, is do you take him at, at his word, at face value, or I don't know? It, it just kind of seems like it's been a, there's been a slight changing of the guard there with Pacheco kind of sliding up there as the, as the lead guy, even though he hasn't been quite productive in doing it. But neither really has Clyde. Right. So again, that was so yeah. Like what he said is kind of what I was like maybe thinking like. You know, maybe it wasn't an intentional thing. Maybe it was. Who knows? But, like, again, maybe something like, you know, maybe you start next week and, you know, Jarek McKinnon doesn't look good or, like, Pacheco goes out and fumbles on the first carry and you're like, oh, maybe we should try something else. Well, or, speaking of which, was, that's what made the Clyde Edwards-Alaire thing all the more strange was Pacheco fumbled in the red zone early in the game and they still kept left him out there to rock. You know, he rocked out and still didn't put no Clyde in there. We did see the one play where it looked like they were probably going to hand the ball off to Clyde Edwards-Alaire at uh, close to the goal line. It was like first and goal from within the five or something like that. But Patrick Mahomes didn't hold on to the snap or like the remember there was a bad snap and he like slipped and fell or something or whatever. They never. I don't remember off the top of my head. It was in the yeah. It happened. It was uh, it was one of the four plays that you know Clyde Edwards-Alaire was actually on the field for. (laughs) Should so, be pretty easy to find those four on YouTube, yeah, huh? Exactly. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. It was um, 
it looked like they were going to hand the ball off to him for him to run into the end zone, and then Patrick Mahomes just, like, fumbled. I forget whether it was a bad snap or if he just, like, slipped and fell. But they lost a couple of yards, and I think they ended up throwing a touchdown to Travis Kelsey, because why wouldn't they? So... Um, yeah, that's a game I'm looking to, I guess, avoid the pass catchers if I can, I guess, maybe. And the only reason with Clyde was there, too, where I'm saying don't drop him, where it's just like, if you have him still on your roster at this point, you've had a space for him, so like you haven't needed to drop him for anything. And if somebody, if one of the, if one person in that trio goes, goes down. Are right. you going to find a better handcuff on the wire at this point? Exactly. So, and that, like... It, that's not very specific to Clyde Edwards. That's kind of my advice for all three guys. If you have one of those guys on your roster and you've been holding them for a while, you like well keep you might as well yeah. keep them because if somebody it's goes like, down, there's an increase. Super leverage. You're making a playoff push, right? Like, right. And especially if, in a game like this where you've got no Juju, you've got no Nicole Hardman, MVS is sick, maybe he... So that, maybe you, you, you know, just... If you have 60 rushing attempts, maybe you have to split them, you know, between the three guys more than you you typically would yeah, Chiefs do in a game. the ball 60 times. Yeah, you know, it's just <laughs> an example. No you know. wide receivers. Andy Reid don't care. He's still throwing the ball 35 times. 20 targets for Travis Kelsey. Yep, 10 to the backup tight end, like four to the other wide receivers, and then the running backs will get a few. All right. <laughs> Mahomes All right. will be the leading rusher. <laughs> And then the last injury I just want to talk about is not a new injury, but it's just something to mention or like just like Michael Thomas. Who? Oh. So obviously in redraft, Michael Thomas is done. He shouldn't be on your. Uh, he that? shouldn't be rostered at He's any point in Dynasty. Who? Michael Thomas. The uh, in 2019 he was the number one wide receiver in the league. He oh, that Michael Thomas broke. Uh, yeah, he, he still plays football. Is he still around? He well, since that 2019 season, he's played 10 games. So between 2020, 2021, 2022, he's made an appearance in 10 games. Yikes. Should Michael Thomas be rostered even Dynasty at this point? I mean, yeah, probably. If you're, if you're holding him for this long. What, what are you, you doing, doing with him at this point, though? Like, I hope that he comes back and does anything, and maybe he can be a flex piece for you. Is he, com- he going to be on the Saints next year if he comes back? I mean, probably not. I don't know, but... If you're the same, would you be planning on bringing Michael Thomas people, back next year? For a lot of people, having Michael Thomas, like, he's either traded, you acquired him via a lot of capital, you got him in a startup pretty early a few years ago. You know, like, It's hard to just cut a dude like that. Okay. And, and he's probably worthless. He probably becomes nothing. He probably Who knows if he ever plays again? Let's be real. But on the off chance that he comes back and can provide even, like, Wide receiver three and flex value, like, all right. What else are you going to find on the waiver wire? Well, in Dynasty Leagues that aren't as yeah. deep as are, you'll probably find something. Yeah. So that's what, keep in what's mind, the, our Dynasty League is very deep. If you're going to play Dynasty, it might as well be deep. You shouldn't be able to go to the waiver wire and just pluck usable players constantly. Like, well, it's not redrift. That's how other Dynasty teams do it. It makes it more of a balance of, you know, you can't hold on to so many guys so like you might have to drop somebody who you know three games later turns out to be a breakout player you know what i mean you might have made a decision early in the year when dumb. rex you know uh, i'm just saying i don't, I don't agree with it it's that's i'm just saying that's how some dynasty leagues do it rex, teach their own you know where they don't have full 30-man rosters what's the point if you're not going to be digging that deep in a, like, in a dynasty why are you doing it you have players that you invest in for an extended period of time and you know you have to manage the roster efficiently and all that. 
You could manage a 30-man roster just as efficiently. You could hold on to a guy like Michael Thomas. That's not managing it efficiently. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what we're talking about. <laughs> I know. It's being right. sarcastic there. So that's enough of that. So that's all of the major injuries that I can think of at the moment. That oh, happened. So are you dropping Michael Thomas in a dynasty? Do we say that? Do we get to that? I, yeah, I would drop him. You would Michael. drop him? But it, unless someone's going to give me something for him. But, like, so I, I just, I don't, I guess if I don't have to drop him right now, I'm not dropping him just to sake of dropping him. If yeah. I have to add somebody, he's probably, like, at the top of the list of people I'm going to drop. And then, I guess, depending on how things shake out next year, like, he's going to be one of those guys where, like, I guess once you get to your rookie draft and you draft your rookies, again, he's going to be on those list of guys where, like, if I've got to make room for these five rookies, I might be looking at, he might be the guy that gets dropped in order to make room for one of these rookies. He's going to be a 30-year-old wide receiver who's played 10 games over the past three years and is probably going to be on a new team. And, you know, what, I just, you know, at that point, I'd rather take the chance with the rookie wide receiver (laughs) than I would with Michael Thomas going somewhere hoping he regains form from four years ago. All right. So, again, that's all of the major injuries that I can think of at the moment. I apologize if somebody else was injured and I didn't mention it. Uh, Fournette, you know, had an injury, but he should he's be. expected to play. Yeah, he's expected. They're on a bye this week, and then he should be fine when they come back from that. We'll see. I heard talk Rashad White may or may not be the starter. He was technically the starter this week. He took the first snap. But, you know, we'll again, uh, they're on a bye this there. week anyway. Rashad gonna, White lead back coming out of the bye. I hope so. I've got him in a league of ours on my bench, hoping that he pops off. I hope not. i got Fournette. <laughs> yeah, I'm aware it's the same league. So now we're going to look at strategies as far as the fantasy playoffs are concerned. So we've got, obviously, it's you know it's week 11. Most fantasy playoffs are going to start week 15, go through 15, 16, and 17. Yeah, about a month away. Yep. So, with that being said, there's a couple of positions you might be in. There's, I don't have a chance. I'm mathematically eliminated from the playoffs and don't have a chance. So, at that point, what do you do? You fill out your lineup like a respectable human being, and you don't collude. You stop putting in waiver claims. Yeah. Like, if you're, out, yeah, if you're out, you shouldn't be putting in waiver claims anymore. It's probably not be, a rule, but... but... You should still be filling out a, 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 start, like yeah. a lineup full Yeah, you should only be making a waiver claim if it's because, like, you know, your position is on a buy and you need to fill it in with something. But, like, you shouldn't be like, you know, oh, let me try to improve my bench spot by adding this depth guy here. Or, like, you know, let me grab this handcuff for this running back in case... You know, Austin Eckler goes down in two weeks, and it's like, yeah, what's that going to do for you, dude? You're out of the playoffs. Like, you know what I mean? Pick up Tyler Conklin and put him in your tight end spot, you know, with <laughs> your tight end on a bye this week, and then, you know, just that's that's all you should be doing. You should be setting your lineup, and that's it. You should, again, you shouldn't be handing free victories to teams because no. it's just it's not fair. But It's a scumbag thing to do, and yeah. I'll go hard on this. I don't really go hard on a lot of things. It's unacceptable because you're upsetting the competitive integrity of the league. Entire competitive balance is thrown out of whack. You're gifting people wins. A guy might get in the playoffs who didn't deserve to be in the playoffs. Like it's a whole can of worms that doesn't need to be opened. And if you do open it, you're a scumbag. All right, so that's how Rich feels about that. Uh, I feel the same way. I just, I'm not again. I'm not about giving free wins to people. I don't like tanking or intentionally losing. That's why we have our dynasty, dynasty league to set up different. the way it is. Like yeah. a dynasty league's a bit different. Yeah. Like I'm talking strictly redraft. If you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs and you're still not setting a, a legal lineup, 
then uh, I don't know. You need to be kicked from the league. Yeah. And then there's going to be... So then, aside from that, there's three other positions that you're going to be in. There is going to be teams that are competing for a playoff. There's going to be teams that are competing for a first-round buy. And then there are going to be teams that have already clinched a first-round buy. And so we'll kind of go through and look at the different strategies you should be taking depending on where you fall in those three different categories because they are slightly different about how you approach them. So let's start with what should be your strategy if you've already... Mathematically, somehow you look and you know you've got your uh, first round by clinched. Like your team just went off. You're, you know, you're uh, ten. You're eleven and zero, or ten and zero, ten and zero. Right? We're going into mm-hmm. week eleven. You're ten and zero, and the ne- next closest team is, you know, six and four, and you've already beaten them. So you know, already know you've got the tiebreaker. So and like at that point, you got to feel pretty good about your lineup, your starters. Um, for one thing, I w- I would look to do and. I normally like to do this anyway, but look a couple weeks ahead. Like, I might look to target a defense that has some plus matchups in the playoffs. Like, you might catch a, I don't know, somebody in, in the AFC East or something. You might be able to see the, you know, the Jaguars and the Patriots back-to-back. I don't know if that's a real thing or not. Like, early on, the Jaguars, I say the AFC East and they're in the AFC South. Yeah, you have two teams from two different divisions. Yeah, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying. The points still stands. You might get two uh, plus matchups. In you know week fifteen and sixteen or sixteen and seventeen, and it's week twelve right now or week eleven, and you have a bench spot where you can hold a guy and you just grab the defense and hold for that playoff matchup. Okay, so that would be your strategy if you got a buy clinch. You're essentially looking for a defense, yeah, though. Uh, yeah, because at that point, like if I have a buy clinch, I'm feeling very good about my lineup, and I'm looking for other edges I can get. Like at that point, if I'm ten and zero, eleven and zero, or nine and one, and I've got that thing locked up already, chances are your lineup is head and shoulders above the competition. So you're looking for those little edges elsewhere, like defense, kicker, stuff like that, maybe tight end, taking a shot on a guy like a Cole Komet and holding. Like. So I guess we're – I agree with that as well. And so let's start with – let's let's go a little bit more than that. You say you're looking for a defense that's got some plus matchups. And I know this is something that always gets talked about when you're talking about the fantasy playoffs. And it's – looking ahead to look at matchups. So there's essentially two ways I feel you can approach that. You can look ahead and see, like, you know, how good is this defense, like, in general or against specific positions. So, like, how good is this defense against wide receivers? Like, you know, or how good is this defense against running backs? And to kind of, like, select a matchup like that. Or you could look at it from, like, a how good do I expect this game to be sort of thing, you know what I mean? Where if I'm looking at, you know, like uh, the Broncos-Titans, and I'm like, this is going to be a 9-6 to six game. Like, you know, don't... You, know, well, you could say, like, the little thing could be either the 31st defense against this or the, you know, in Sleeper, it's the little green saying it's a yeah. good matchup. But, like, if it's going to be a 9-6 game, yeah, it's you're like, saying how great of a matchup is it really. Right. So, that's is it? are you playing the... Matchup specific to the position, or are you playing like the general flow of the game? I guess matchup. Like, uh, are you looking more for games that would be high scoring? Like, are you looking for games where you'd rather have like Chiefs versus Bills that'll be a high scoring game, or are you looking for games with advantageous matchup, advantageous matchups for the position that you're looking at? I guess specifically, so like I you break know. it up by position. So I use the first one. For running backs, like if I get a good team to go against running backs, that I'm, I might try and fade that matchup. 
Is that on, it just seems to me it look, correlates a little bit more with high-scoring games and the pass catchers. So, if, like you said, with if it's going to be a 9-6 game, you're thinking I'm going to fade the pass catchers. But if you're looking at it and you're like, oh, that should be a pretty high-scoring game, like, hmm, maybe you want to target the receivers in that matchup. Okay, instead of the running backs? or like No, just to, no not necessarily, but just the way I kind of look at it is by team, like a defense is very poor against the run. I'm going to look to look at the running backs for that matchup, right, obviously. Mm-hmm. But in a game where I look at it, it's going to be high scoring, chances are there's going to be some – the passes are going to be flying, so I'm looking for the wide receivers. Okay. So do you fade the running backs then more in the in the pass? No, it's no, not a matter of fading no, them. No, it's a matter it's of looking, a matter more, of looking into the, more at the wide receivers. I mean, the running backs will still have opportunities in a high-scoring game. They could fall in the end zone. But it, it should in a higher-scoring game – more likely there's going to be some more passing, so it should be more plus volume than normal for the wide receivers. Okay, so for me, I guess I'm looking more to play the general matchup of the game itself, and it's kind of like the example I gave you before where it's like, you know, the team, like, especially if you're starting to look at it right now, because it's one of those things where it's like you look and it's like, oh, you know, maybe I don't want my team playing against the, uh, you know, the, the Bills secondary, or, you know, I don't want my team playing against the Saints run defense, you know, in, in November when they're going to be in the, or in December when they're going to be in the fantasy playoffs, you know, in week 15, I don't want them playing against those guys. But then, like, two weeks from now, there's a couple injuries, and all of a sudden the Saints run defense is no longer the Saints Not run defense so that it was. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, that guy that I was worried about and that I might have moved to acquire somebody who had a beneficial matchup, now all of a sudden, like, or the Steelers, I give the example, they had, you know, T.J. Watt come back, and all of a sudden the run defense got a lot better. better. And Minka Fitzpatrick was out, there's a chance he comes back, so now it's like in a few weeks from now, you know, that's the thing about, like, because you're trying to, you know, it's week 11, you're trying to project, well, what's it going to be like in week 15, 16, 17? A lot can change in that four weeks, which is kind of why I'm less like, well, which team is matched up well, you know, at a position by position, more of like which game is going to be a good game. Like, it will probably or it'll probably be a competitive, you know, game that'll put up points. And part of that you got to look at, too, is, like, um, like again, the, the Bills-Browns this game week is supposed to have two feet of snow. So you've got to take that into consideration, too, when you're looking in the future. Like, you're looking at outdoor teams and areas like that where it's like, yeah, you might have Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, but guess what? In December in Buffalo, yeah. it's windy and snowy there. Mile per hour winds, yeah. So that stack you were relying on all season might not, you know, be the same if that's the match kind of matchup they have to go into. So, and I'm not typically one like again. This was if I'm looking forward and I'm going to do that, but I'm I, I don't do a whole lot of this. You know what I mean? I'm typically not in a position where I'm afforded to be able to look forward four weeks and yeah. make moves like that. Unfortunately, with the way these leagues go, they're competitive. The ones that we're in. But that would be what I would be do, looking at more if I was, or when I do. It's the the overall matchup. I want a higher scoring game. I want games with high over unders where there's going to be points, and I prefer it to not be in areas that I know are are you know subject to increment condition, increment weather. And again, I'm not a big whole like. Like, it's not going to make me look at somebody where it's like, I've got this starting running back, and, like, I kind of view him as a little bit better than this other guy. But then I look at the schedule, and it's like, oh, well, this guy, you know, is playing the the Bills, Eagles, and Saints in the fantasy football playoffs. And this guy is, you know, playing the Texans, Jaguars, and, 
you know, the the Lions defense. And so, like, I should trade this guy to get that guy and all that. Because, again, just like, you know, if, if you can do it, but it's it just for me it's the thing of, like, in, in four out. weeks yeah. from now, if things change, like, that's just a stupid move. You know what I mean? You traded a guy who was better than the other one because you were trying to predict things that were going to happen five weeks from now. And it's like, again, if defenses could get better, offenses could get worse, players get hurt get moved out, you know, things happen, coaches start well, getting fired. Predict, yes, that's what I mean. it's it's tough to predict what's gonna happen this upcoming week. So to try to project that far into the future is, you know especially with the way this year has been, because we've seen a lot of, you know, things, you know, and you've seen the the Bears all of a sudden turn their offense on. They're still not winning too many games, but they managed to make their offense look yeah, a lot better. And, you know, like we said, the Steelers defense got better. The Cardinals are ahead of the Rams, like, you know, just Weird things happen through the course of a season. So, the let's move on. Then we talk, uh, or let's jump back. Then, so if I have a buy clinched, then I guess, uh, and what I'm looking for, what I would be looking to do, if I have my buy clinched, is I'm moving on from players that I might need to fill in for, like you know, like guys that were typically like bye week fill ins or like flex. Like I'm, I'm. I'm dropping Devin Singletary to add Isaiah Spiller behind Austin Eckler. Like, I'm reinforcing my running back position, mm-hmm. what I say would be the thing. I'm grabbing the handcuffs to my running backs. Like, at this point, I don't want Devin Singletary. And, like, if I have Austin Eckler and Devin Singletary as a guy where it was like, oh, if I, on my bye week, I'll put him in for, you know, Eckler and just kind of yeah. suffer it. Or if, like, Eckler goes down, I'll use Singletary instead. It's like, no, if Eckler goes down, I want Spiller in at this point. It's like... Like guys like that that we talked were like little like roster clocks that were just bi week fill ins. Those are guys I'm moving out and I'm trying to secure the handcuffs to my running backs because I'd rather if it's at the point now where it's like if my running back goes down, I either need to get all the value from their handcuffed or like I'm done. Like I don't need Devin, like Devin Singletary is not going to help me win the fantasy playoffs. You know what I mean? So. That's kind of the decision I looked at. I'm looking more to secure the handcuff behind my running backs if I wasn't having them. If I had. You know, Leonard Fournette and somehow Rashad White is available. I'm grabbing Rashad White and putting him behind Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, if something to look out right now, if you have Aaron Jones, a lot of people with A.J. Dillon are going to be sick of him, going to be, you know, he might be getting drops and he hasn't been producing all season. He could get dropped. If you have Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon is infinitely more valuable to you than he is to whoever might have dropped him. Pick him up, put him on your roster. If Aaron Jones goes down, it's all A.J. Dillon in that backfield. That's the kind of things that I'm looking to do if I've clinched a bye. Now, if I'm competing for a bye, what's the difference? So... It's so a little different you because yeah, you're you not as secure. Luxury. You don't you have luxury. You, far ahead, no. So you've got to... You're playing it week by week. Yes, and it's more about, like, you're more... I guess what it is, if I'm competing for a buy, I'm more... Are you more or less likely to make a move than you were if you're competing for a playoff spot in general, I guess is say. Like, what's your urgency as far as securing that buy or that, you know, the first or second overall spot in the so, playoffs yeah, I think if you're competing for that buy, I think you're more inclined to try and make that move to put you over the top. Like I had, uh, I had explored trying to acquire, tear up and acquire digs in uh, one of my other leagues, and um, didn't work out. A guy just literally traded him ten minutes before I made the the offer, and he's like, "Damn, if you were the, you know, sent that a couple minutes earlier, I'd have took that." And it's just like, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, they're the type of moves I'm looking to make at that point if I'm competing for the buy. Like you take trade from some of your um, your depth 
um, and look to try and tear up. Like I, I was gonna look to move off of uh, Sutton and a running back trying to go get Diggs. I got a running backs are plenty in that league, so I'm like, you want Jacobs? You want Mixon? Like we can get it done for Diggs. Like throw on Sutton, you know, try and tear up the wide receiver position. I had Ramondre Stevenson ready to plug right in for whatever one of them I, I moved out. It just would have been a nice move to round out the roster a little bit better. So those those type of moves. Yeah, I would say this would be a situation where you say, where like, I'm trying to trade two, like, depth guys more to upgrade at that once. Like, I, I'd be looking at somebody who's, like, competing but, like, is struggling with filling out, like, maybe their flex spot or, like, overall depth or, like, if you got three wide receivers. I'm looking and be like, hey, like, you know, I'll give you – Christian Kirk and Gabe Davis for Stephon Diggs because you can reliably start Christian Kirk as your wide receiver too and you can throw Gabe Davis into your flex spot and hope that he goes off for like the 20 plus points and that's better than what you're doing right now where you've got Stephon Diggs but then you know like you're flexing you know Josh Palmer or something like that and he's been disappointed for you like I'm going to give you a guy that you can reliably start and then another guy that's got more upside and a like better or maybe not Chris, maybe Chris Olave and Christian Kirk. And you're like, that seems like a lot for, but it's like, again, it's Stefan Diggs. Like, I'm trying, like, I have somebody else that I can put into my flex besides Chris Olave at that point. What I'm trying to do is I'm essentially, like, my flex spot is staying the same. I'm upgrading Christian Kirk to Stefan Diggs. And then, like, that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Whereas, like, Olave was in my flex spot. I have somebody else I can already put, put in and equate to that. So I'm upgrading from Christian Kirk to Stefan Diggs. The other guy is gaining two players that he can put into his lineup each week as opposed to just having the one. That's kind of what I'd be looking to do if I'm competing for a buy. Okay. Does that all make sense? And yeah. I, I could give an example for running backs if we need to and all that, but it's still, still kind of general theory where it's like I'm trading two, you know, I'm trading a, you know, mid-tier RB2 and then another, you know, a flex or a mid-tier wide receiver one or, or mid-tier Wide receiver two or RB two plus a uh, plus a you know flex play at the wide receiver and running back position as well in order to gain one player that I can essentially upgrade in my offense. That like again, just I'm less worried about the the variability. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to shrink the variability of having Christian Kirk and Chris Olave out there who have been kind of up and down on a week-to-week basis. And it's like, you know, because uh, the problem with me in a league is, like, I'm choosing between starting Christian Kirk and Chris Olave mm-hmm. every week. And so it's just like one of those things where I always, whereas, like, the guy I'm giving them to is, like, he's just going to throw them both out there mm-hmm. into his lineup and right. they'll be sense. locked in. Yeah. So, And then the flip side of that, then, like, if I'm competing for the playoffs, I'm the other side of that trade where I'm trying to acquire – some more depth, more yeah, yeah, more depth, more players to make sure that I can get into the playoffs and actually have a place to play it, right. as opposed to like you know, well I'm gonna hold on to Stefan Diggs because you know he's a top wide receiver and all that. It's like well if I don't make the playoffs though it doesn't yeah instead of having Stefan Diggs might not help you if you're starting um, Daryl Henderson as RB two every week you know like. Or Deion Jackson, or, or some Josh, of these other guys. Yeah. Or like you said, or like you know, your flex is a very high risk flex. Like you know, Josh Palmer, yeah. Gabe Davis, um, Valdez Scantling, <laughs> yeah, MVS. Like you know. So what about you? Is any general difference for you as far as competing for like the playoff versus competing for the buy, or kind of? Yeah. Like- I don't know, this is just something I do every you know, every season I look to do and it doesn't work out every week when you try to do it because you know other guys are starting to get hip to it but I'm, I'm I always look you know if I don't have a rock solid defense and I'm streaming defenses I'm always looking one week ahead for my next defense always like so this week right now it's week we're going into week 11 I already picked my defense out last week 
And right okay. now, week 11, I'm picking my defense for week 12. Gotcha. And I'm staying a week ahead on my defense every week, just trying to find little advantages where I can. Right. All right, yeah, that makes sense. All right, so I think that's going to be everything from us today. That's going to, yep, that's going to wrap everything up for us. So until next time, you can follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Oddballs. And, of course, you can catch the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you get your audio podcast. Until next time, I'm Ryan McNichols. Rich out. Peace out.